Hello, I'm Derek Walker, pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today we're doing something a bit different, uh, a message on headship, head coverings and hair. And we're talking about uh, this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we don't hear too much on this passage for maybe a couple of reasons. First of all, it's considered perhaps to be the most complex passage of Scripture, and, and uh, so people might avoid it for that reason. And others tend to think, well, it doesn't apply to us anymore. Uh, it, it's just something that was a, a cultural issue uh, in, in those times. But yet, we can't avoid any Scripture. We should, we should try and understand it, and it's important for our lives. There's a number of controversial issues come up in this passage, like head headship, head covering, submission, even hair length. And so uh, we will endeavour to see what the Word of God has to say. As I say, some people just say, well, look, this is cultural stuff, the head coverings and that, that that's, doesn't apply to us nowadays. But actually, no, we, I'm not going to take that approach as kind of dismiss it as a cultural thing because the, God put these things in the New Testament for a reason. The New Testament is the new covenant. It is, it is the definitive teaching of what we should believe and how we should live and conduct ourselves. And so we're not free just to explain it away as a cultural thing, cultural conditioned. Uh, but actually, I believe that the Word of God is transcultural. It, it, is, it, it applies to all times and places. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in there. Now, understanding the original culture in which these uh, teachings were given and the problems and the people it was given to, that is very helpful to understand the message of what's being, able to, what's being said, but we must apply it to us now. We can't just say, well, it, it doesn't apply now. It's not relevant now, because we live in a different culture. No, the Word of God is given to us in all cultures. But it does help to understand the background to this, and I'll endeavor to, to share that with you. And so... If the Bible does indeed tell us to cover our heads or not cover our heads in a certain way, um, wear a certain type of hair, then we, we should obey that. We shouldn't try and dismiss it. And so um, this is confirmed actually uh, by verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Paul is asserting his apostolic authority. He isn't saying this is my opinion, he's really saying this is the word of God. He says, be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. He says, I'm under Christ's authority, and I am giving you the word of God. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So the Apostle Paul actually gave traditions. That simply means that which is handed down. So he received from the Lord as an apostle certain uh, instructions and teachings and now he has passed them down and he's basically saying he he acknowledges the fact that they keep his traditions they accept his authority as an apostle but there's a particular issue going on in the church in the Corinthian church one of many where there is a division particularly among the Jews versus the Greeks because they come from a different background, they have different ideas about these things and so they're clashing particularly on the issue of head coverings and uh, whether, for instance, women should, should wear a veil, whether a man should wear a head covering 
uh, like the Jews wear this um, the kippur on their head. Um, and so it's, co it's complex, this passage is complex because he's actually dealing with the Jews and the Greeks with different backgrounds and different theology, different ideas about headship and different practices. And so he's, he's kind of saying, well, look, you Jews, you're here, you're right on this point, but you Greeks, you're right on this point. And he's having to navigate this minefield of differences. And that's why the passage is, is a little complex, but hopefully we'll make it uh, easy for you. And so to sort the whole issue out, Paul has to go back to first principles. And he, the way he teaches it is a great example of, of of superb of dealing with a problem because he doesn't go straight to the practice what you should wear and so on he goes first to the principle um, and he shows in principle um, where the Jews are right where the Greeks are wrong and he and then he goes from the principle and then he, to the practice what the right new covenant practice is in the church but first of all, you have to understand the principle. If you're going to do something, uh, you need to know why you do it. What is the theology and what is the principle behind that? So that's where Paul starts, before he even addresses specifically how men and women should, should wear stuff on their head. And actually, there, you can discern three levels of argument in this passage. First of all, he talks about the theological basis for this whole discussion. And it's all to do with the divinely ordained relationship of husband and wife. And it's to do with the issue of headship. Then he talks about the principle. Secondly, the principle of head covering or wearing a covering on your head. And, and the idea is that this, the spiritual headship between a husband and wife, the headship between a husband and wife, should be manifested as a covering. And then, having established that, yes, it is right that there is a covering, what is the practice? What constitutes a covering? What is the head covering that a woman should wear to show her, yes, her submission in her marriage? Uh, and so that's a kind of overview. The background to this, let me just point out that, for instance, you've got the Jews in the church. Now, for Jewish men at that time, some of the Jewish men, not all, it wasn't an established thing yet, not all of them, but some of them wore this covering on their head. And that, that, the reason they did that was to, out of respect for God, as it were, but it also signified that God was so far above them that they were kind of cut off from God. It's like a veil that, that they were separated from God. It was m intended to denote that God, that they, a separation, the veil between God and man. And so, in a way, they, they wanted to do it as an act of humility. Um, Paul, actually, as we're going to see, basically says, no, that isn't appropriate in the New Covenant now to be covered for that reason because Christ has removed the veil and we, and we have uh, an open relationship with God. But, and then in the third century, the Jews, actually, because the Christian practice now was, was that men should not be covered, had they have their head covered, 
the, the Jews went the other way to distinguish themselves and so they brought in as a rule that men's heads should be covered and in a way it's appropriate. When a man wears that kippur he's actually acknowledging that he's in the old covenant and he isn't, he's separated from God and therefore I don't believe it is right at all for um, a man to have his head covered as we'll see in this passage is it's actually violating the new covenant but um, in, in any case uh, that that is in church in church um, so that's the Jew, that's the men the Jewish men the Jewish women actually there was a great inequality between the men and the women so much so that not only was there you know submission but the Jewish women had less status than men and so there was a male authority but there was also a male dominance uh, and so that that was wrong and uh, the women even were didn't even have any part in the synagogue life for instance um, but they were right in the sense that they understood that there was a submission in marriage and the Jewish women wore a covering on their head to denote their to denote their, um, as it were, submission to, to their husband. And uh, the Greek women, on the other hand, certainly a lot of them, there was a movement of Greek women where not only, the, where, where they claimed equal status, but also that there was n essentially no difference, a kind of women's lib thing that, when I say women's lib, there's a, there's a good part and there's a bad part. On the good part is, of course, it is right that women have equal status to men. They're, they are equal, equally in the image of God. But there is a difference in role between man and woman, especially in marriage. And so if women's lib, you, if that means eliminating the difference between man and woman in, in marriage, then that's wrong. And there was a movement in, among the Greeks where, whereby the women were in that mode of kind of eliminating the difference between the sexes. Um, neither the, the Greek men or the women wore coverings in the church, that was irrelevant to them. So you can see how there's confusion because the Jewish, uh, the Jewish women and the Jews are saying your women, the Greek women ought to be covered and uh, the Greeks were disagreeing with that and so Paul has to sort this mess out. <laughs> so let's see what he has to say in verse 3. But I want you to know, and now he's giving the theological basis, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And so behind all of the, this issue of head covering is the concept of headship. And this is a very important concept. Um, he says, and he gives three examples of headship. But before we go any further, I just want to point one thing out, that I disagree with the translation here when it says the head of woman is man. Now, if that was true, that would mean that every woman would be subject to every man. And, and I can't agree with that. But the, the thing to understand is that the same word for woman in the Bible is the same word for wife. And the same word for husband is the same word for man. So it really should be translated, the head of the wife is the husband. 
Now, that, the very same phrase is used in Ephesians 5.22, and it's translated correctly in this case. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, you see. It doesn't say the man's the head of the woman. The husband's the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and is the saviour of the body. And so, likewise in Corinthians, it should have been translated that the, that the, that the her husband is the head of the of the wife. Not every man is over every woman. That would be nonsense. Um, and, and that's proved as the passage goes on it talks about Adam and Eve. It's talking about marriage. Does it just apply therefore to married women? Well it's different. In the ancient time a woman was always under the headship of a man. So she would be under the headship of her father until you know she left home to be married and then she'd come under the headship of her husband so she would be under a headship and she would have her head covered to show that uh, it's a bit different now but uh, I, w I do believe that there's a principle really that a woman should be under the headship of, of a man whether it's her heart father or her husband but what is headship what are we talking about now he gives three examples. First of all, he says that God is the head of Christ. And this is talking about the Trinity. So we get the first view of headship is what is happening in the Trinity. Now, people argue about headship between two concepts. Uh, one, one group says headship refers to authority, clearly. The head is the, the authority. And, uh, and the, another group says no, it's like the head of a river, it simply means source, the head is the source. And I would have to say, both are true. You can't eliminate either concept from that. For instance, in the Trinity, God the Father is the head of Christ the Son. They are equal in status, notice. Headship does not mean inequality of status. The Father is equal to the Son. In the same way, the, the husband and the wife, they are equals. But there is an authority between the Father and the Son. The Son is submissive to the Father. The Father is the authority. That's, that's the first picture of headship. And so, in a way, the Father is the source, is the authority and the source of life. And then the Son responds. And then the second picture of headship, it says that, that Christ is the head of every man, every person. If we're, we are the body of Christ, Christ is the head. Clearly, the head has authority over the body, but at the same time, the head is the source of life to the body, the source of wisdom to the body. So you have, and, and, and then it applies to the marriage, the husband's the head of the wife. What does it mean? He does have authority, but he is to be the source of love to her as well. And then she responds to that loving leadership. That's the concept of headship in the Bible. And so you have those two things. I mean, between us and Christ, you see, headship is referred to in the fact that you receive Jesus as Saviour and Lord. Saviour speaks of his love and his life that he imparts to us. He's our source. But at the same time, he's our Lord. There is an authority. And, and actually, to receive the life from Jesus, to receive him as Saviour, you have to submit to him as Lord. And the more a woman responds to her husband and, and as it were, yeah, submits and responds to him, the more, as it were, she can receive, she draws out of him more, more love. And so this is, first of all, Paul is saying there is a headship. The Greeks are wrong in that regard. 
there is a definite authority and a headship within marriage and now he goes on to say there is therefore it is the Jews are absolutely correct that there is a principle that that headship should be shown on the head on a woman's head this is the principle of covering the outward manifestation of being under headship now it's important to say that Paul is not talking about yet the practical issue of what constitutes a covering he's just using a word that describes the idea of a covering generally and first of all he he establishes the principle that it is right for a woman to have a covering on her head to show her submission to authority and in that sense the Jews were right they were right the Greeks were wrong on that issue uh, and so she shows her femininity by this head covering let's have a look at that verse 4 every man praying or prophesying having his head covered dishonors his head his head is Christ so in this case he says it's wrong for a man to have his head covered in church and he says it's wrong for a man to wear a hat in church or a cap or whatever that is actually wrong because he dishonors his head and the Jewish reason for having their head covered was, as I say, to denote their separation from God. But in the New Covenant now, that separation's been removed, and the man is meant to be under the authority of his head, and Christ requ requires the husband to provide loving leadership into his family. So if he has his head covered, he's actually as it also manifesting the fact that he is not taking the leadership that he needs to take he is not submitted to Christ because he's not leading his family uh, he's, he's wearing a sign of submission on his head and that is wrong because uh, and that's the problem with a lot of men they're passive like Adam in the garden he followed his wife's leadership and got into sin and so he dishonors his head so a man in, we're just talking about the symbolism of this now a man doing that is actually dishonoring his uh, dishonoring Christ he may not realize what he's doing but a man should not have his head covered but every woman or wife who prays and prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head she dishonors her husband because she is not showing that submission to authority uh, so it does say in principle she must have her head covered and then he gives a, an argument for this f from nature for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved so this is a, also a first indication actually that the idea of cover covering is somehow related to hair but why it, and then we it's an appeal to nature you know for a man to have a bald head is not a is not a you know is a normal thing we don't recoil at that but it is somehow against nature for a woman to not to have a bald head to be shaved why do we recall it that because it's even in built in us in our conscience we know that a woman's head should not be uncovered Paul is establishing the principle she should be covered and it doesn't apply to a man for if a woman or a wife is not covered let her also be shorn if you're going to say she doesn't need to be covered then it's fine for her to be absolutely bald 
but we know instinctively that's wrong. But if it's shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. He says, if it is wrong for her to be bold, then that tells you God's requirement is that she be covered. And in this issue, the Jews were right, that there should be a covering on the head. And then verse 7, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. And by the way, so is a woman. The woman is the image and glory of God. And um, what he's saying is that the Jewish reason for covering the head is wrong. Because we, men and women are no longer separated from God. In the new covenant it is wrong. Because we, that is showing that, that Christ has not removed the barrier between man and God. We're all in right relationship with God. And so some of the Jews were wrong on that point by, by insisting on a, on a head covering for men. And, but the Greeks were right in practice there. And now then it says, but the woman or the wife is the glory of her husband. Uh, and now what he's saying is, but there is a difference between women and men in the coverings because the woman is the glory of the man. And that signifies that he is meant to be the leader, the source, and he is to love her and then she responds to his loving leadership. She is his glory. The, the moon is the glory of the sun. The sun shines upon the moon and then the moon reflects that glory. And the man is responsible for providing that loving leadership and then she responds to that. So there is a difference. There is a headship. And he says that needs to be reflected in the difference of covering. For man, and now he's, he's showing this difference, man is not from woman, but woman from man. In other words, man was created first and he's referring to Genesis 2 that uh, the template for marriage is that the, 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 the man was first, and that signifies there is an authority in marriage. Nor was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. And he's just saying they're equal, but there is an order. For this reason, the woman or the wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. That is, he's saying there should be a covering. A woman should have the covering to signify that she's under authority. And then he says a strange thing because of the angels. And I believe this is talk about the angels in the congregation are offended if, because, these, because the original sin of Lucifer was rebellion. Re rebelling against God's ordained order. He wanted to usurp the authority that God had put in place. And so if there is rebellion in the church, that is upsetting to the angels and so what he's saying is that, that the women should embrace their femininity and if they're married to be in submission to their husbands if they are in rebellion in that area then that is upsets the angels but then he puts the balance because he says don't get the Jewish idea of the first century that men were over women in the sense of they had a higher status than women. They were, it was very unequal, it was wrong. And Christ put that right, he elevated women. And Paul too is elevating women and saying no, they are equal. And in this regard the Greeks were right, the equality of, of men and women. The Jews were wrong in the first century. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man comes through a woman. But all things are of God. 
So he's saying there's an equality between men and women, but there is a difference in their roles. And that should be manifested. And then he says, judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman or a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Again, he's saying, no, there should be a covering. But now he applies it to the practice. Verse 14, does, now, now we've got the principle sorted, how is this to be put into practice? Number one, for the men, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? And so here he's saying that hair and covering are closely related. And if a man has long hair, he is actually wrong. Now long in terms of it, it could be thought of as the hair of a woman. That is actually a dishonor to him. He shouldn't have feminine hair. There should be a clear difference in the way a man wears his hair and a woman wears his hair. And if you could think, oh, that could be a woman there, then that is wrong. Um, because he is, he is actually wearing a covering on his head, as it were, as if he was um, a woman. And he says that that is wrong. There should be a clear difference in the way hair is, is done. Now, it varies from culture to culture. What's long in one culture is different from another. But it sh a man should clearly be a man, and a woman should clearly be a woman. And then here's the key verse, verse 15. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. He says that's good. For her hair is given to her for a covering. And here's the key word, because the word covering here is different from the previous verses. The word here is peribolion, sorry. And it means something that's thrown over. This is the first time that, the, that uh, the, it's the, really a, a veil or a hat is used. So here before it was a principle, she should be covered. But now it's saying the issue is, that, does that mean she has to wear a veil? Does she have to wear a hat? And Paul says, no, that is not necessary because her hair, her long hair, her feminine hair, as long as she wears her hair in a feminine way, which is usually means a longer hair than a man's hair, um, that long, glorious, feminine hair is given to her by God for a covering. In other words, anti means instead of a artificial covering. In other words, God has given her a beautiful natural covering. That's why women are so into their hair more than men, because it's something that God gave them as the sign of their femininity. And their hair is instead of an artificial covering. She doesn't have to wear an artificial covering. She doesn't have to wear a hat or a veil. That is not required. If she wants to, fine, no problems there. But she doesn't have to as long as her hair is you know, of that, uh, if she, for some reason, has cut her hair really short, then she should wear a hat or a veil or something like that for the covering. But if her hair is, um, is, is feminine, is long, then she, you know, she's fine. And uh, that is a sufficient covering, the covering that God gave her. So it's interesting, he's, he's, he sorts out that issue and then he finishes by saying, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom. In other words, someone's trying to enforce that women have to wear hats or veils. Paul says, we have no such custom. As long as she wears her hair in a feminine way. Um, he, so in some ways the Greeks were right, some ways the Jews were right. The Greeks were wrong in principle, the Jews were right in principle, but actually the Greeks were right in practice and the, the Jews were wrong in practice. But Paul sorts it all out and brings everything to unity.
Hello, I want to introduce you to my latest CD series, eight CDs, on the fruit of the Spirit. What could be more important than growing the fruit of love, joy and peace in your life? And that's, this series takes you in depth into God's Word and how to draw upon the Spirit of God to become more like Jesus. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.